get a call from the processor or AMC and they say, hey appraiser, you check that the subject property is in a flood hazard area, flood zone, right? On page one of your URAR, you said the property was in a flood zone. And we got great news. We, <laughs> we great news for them, they think. We have a flood cert. And a lot of my listeners have, have heard of that term. We have a flood certification. And it says that the subject's not in a flood, flood zone. And so all we need you to do is go back to page one of your URAR and take that little checkbox off that says yes and change it to no that the property is not in a FEMA special flood hazard area as indicated on the URAR. Don't worry, don't worry. We'll send you a copy of the flood cert for your file. How do you handle that? Do you make the change? Do you not make the change? Do you tell them go fly a kite? How do you handle this request when your sources reflect that the property is in a flood zone and now they have a flood certification saying it's not in a flood zone? Maybe, just maybe, you need to do a little bit more digging. Maybe you just don't need to believe what someone is telling you. Come back in just a second. We'll have a conversation about it. Hi, this is Brian Reynolds. You're listening to the Appraisal Update Podcast brought to you by Appraiser eLearning. Um, <laughs> many years ago... Uh, my first job was in a grocery store and I was still in high school. Uh, I think I was 16 when I started working there and boy, I, I've always been a hard worker. I, I, um, in Chicago, I worked four jobs at one time in my present company. I, I have <laughs> at least five different hats or five different companies or five different divisions, however you want to you want to say it never been afraid of hard work uh, I just need to figure out how to work smarter I think but uh, I was a young youngster and I worked in a grocery store and uh, back in those days we had uh, checkout people you know uh, cashiers is what we called them so when you went to the grocery store you didn't scan your own stuff I mean, we had a real live person there that would punch in 99 cents 79 cents right and then um, we we didn't have bag boys. Uh, we were sackers. So <laughs> we had we had paper sacks. So when you bought your groceries, someone you had really good customer service. Actually, you had someone that would greet you and 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 check you out and answer any questions you might have and take your coupons or whatever you've got. Uh, we had green stamps back there, back then we gave, and, uh, and then at the end of that little conveyor belt, you had generally, it was, it was a guy. We had, we had some girls that did it too, but, uh, but I was a sucker and, uh, we would, we would, boy, we'd get one of those paper sacks out and we would throw it up over our right shoulder, left shoulder, whichever the case. 
and and whip that thing down and boy then just start stacking cans because you put cans in first obviously you don't want to put your bread and eggs in the bottom right uh so you you would put your your cans in there and and the goal was to try to keep this thing long and tall and straight right and so there was a little bit of an art to it uh, but anyway that's what i did that was my first job and um and also, I was a stalker, so I wasn't just a sacker. I was a sacker slash stalker, right? And a stalker, our function when we had that hat on, was that we would stock the shelves or face the shelves. And I was on aisle number one, and boy, I, I took great pride of that. You could walk down my aisle, and I'd face everything out. I rotated my stock, as I was supposed to do. And uh, you go down that aisle and everything was what we call faced out. It was all on the edge of the shelf, all straight, labels out. And just looked really, really, really pretty if you walked down my aisle at least, right? Well, when the trucks would come in, we'd unload the trucks. We would take the stock out to the uh, appropriate aisle and then we would stock the shelves. Well, if you had a box that, um, you know, was an extra box or maybe a couple of extra boxes, we call that overstock, right? I can't fit anymore on the shelf. It now is not stock, it's overstock. And we're gonna take it back to the back room, which was called the stock room. <laughs> Maybe it should have been called the overstock room, I don't know, but it was the stock room. And uh, one day I remember, you know, I was, I was doing my multiple duties. I was, I was sacking the groceries when they'd call up and have the customer. And we would carry those groceries out to the car. Uh, we actually would take the groceries uh, out to the car and put your sacks in the car. Thank you. Shut the door and you're on your way. Um, but um, I, was, I was doing some uh, stock and I was over on the paper aisle and I, I filled up some and lo and behold, we had some overstock. So I, I took, uh, we had several boxes and I took them back to the stock room. And, uh, and I was in the back and the stock room was a really big kind of a, a warehouse type room. And that's where we put all our stock. And um, we had some shelves that you could accommodate from, from just standing on the ground floor. And then we had a top shelf that you either needed to have a helper or you would throw it up there and, and then have to jump up there and arrange it. Uh, we certainly did not have a forklift, right? We were our own forklifts. And so I was, I was in the back and uh, I was grabbing these big cases and they, were, they weren't heavy at all. I mean, it was paper product, but uh, they were big. And so I, was, uh, I had them on a cart and I was, uh, you know, picking these up, and I was just throwing them up on the top shelf, Mr. Strongman that I was back then. And so I just grabbed two or three cases, and I'd, I'd throw each one up there individually, and then I would hoist myself up, you know, grab that top shelf, pull myself up, and jump up there and arrange these cases. And I, I only, I was about done. I only had about three cases left when I saw Cliff. And Cliff was navigating the stock room on his journey back to the meat department. You see, Cliff was a, a meat department guy, and uh, he cut meat and uh, wrapped it and all that good stuff. And Cliff was walking by, and I said, hey, Cliff, 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 can you help me out? He said, what? And I said, well, you just, you know, there's only a couple of cases down there left. Will you just throw those up to me, and I, you know, just take a second. Throw those up to me, and I'll arrange them up here. He said, sure. 
So he grabbed the first case, and um, I guess he wasn't Mr. Strongman. <laughs> he struggled a little bit with it. Again, it's just awkward. It, it's a it's a big big case, right? So it's not heavy. It's just big, and uh, he would he couldn't throw them up there, but he was holding them up there, and I'd I'd come over and grab one from him, and go over and stack it, and then come back, grab the other one from him, and go over and stack it, and. And the third one, I guess he got ahead of me a little bit because he, he, he was probably wanting to get back to the meat department, but he pulled that uh, case up and was holding it up there. And I was stacking case number two. So when I turned around and, and proceeded to the edge of the platform to grab case number three, it, it, it rolled off the back of his hand and uh, he just couldn't, he just couldn't continue to balance it. And it, it fell on the concrete floor and the case busted open. Now, mind you, the contents of the case were intact. There was nothing wrong with, with the product. I'm talking about the cardboard box that housed all of these, you know, together, busted. And <laughs> the contents fell on the floor, but all the individual packs were fine. And I, I immediately said, oh, my God, Cliff, oh, my God, you busted a case. And he said, what? And I said, you busted a case, Cliff. He said, so? He said, oh, you know, all the toilet paper's fine. It's, it, was a, it was four packs. It was a four pack of toilet paper, and they were in plastic. And those were all fine. It's just the cardboard box that they, they resided in busted. And I said, Cliff, you don't understand. We have a policy here that if you if you bust a case, you pay for it. He's like, what? I said, we have a policy that says if you bust a case, you have to pay for it. He said, Brian, I didn't bust. He said, we're talking about the cardboard box. He said, all these packages of, of toilet paper, the Charmin, it's fine. Just go put it out on the shelf. I said, Cliff, I just filled the shelf. It's full. I can't even fit one more out there. He said, well, fine. Just put this back in the box, throw some tape on the cardboard, put it back up there, or let me go get some milk crates, and we'll put the, we'll put the undamaged, intact, four-pack, plastic wrap, toilet paper packages up on the stock shelf, and when you need it, you just fill it out. I said, Cliff, it doesn't work that way. You busted a case, and you got to pay for it. That's the policy. He said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And I said, well, Cliff, I didn't write the policy. I'm just telling you what the policy is. He said, well, that's just stupid. And I said, well, Cliff, let me go talk to Ben, the assistant manager. I said, let me see if there's anything we can do. I, I agree with you. That is a stupid policy. But let me, let me go talk to Ben. You go back to the meat department. Don't stress about it. And let me go talk to Ben, and I'll come back and and we'll we'll try to figure this out. He's like, "All right." So I waited a little while and uh finally I went back in there and I said, "Cliff, I'm sorry to report, buddy. I I you know, I I went up to bat for you. I I said you were just trying to pitch in a hand and it's really kind of my fault. That wasn't your job. You're in the meat department and but I said Ben said no. There's you know that's 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 company policy. If you bust a case, you got to buy it. And he just starts shaking his head. I said, but here's what I was able to do. I said, first of all, you get to keep the product. So you you know you get thirty packages of Charmin in the four pack. I said, but uh, but you will have to pay for it. But I said, here's what I was able to do for you. 
you know, we start our, our, our ad on Sunday, and uh, Ben said that's going to be on sale on Sunday. And what he's graciously done for you is we're going to give it to you at the sale price. So it's 99 cents a package. So you're looking at just, just under 30 bucks is all it's going to be. And he's like, this is stupid. And I said, uh, I said, and he even he even volunteered to go one step further, uh, Cliff. He he said he said Brian, I got five dollars. He said I got five dollars in my pocket. That's all I've got, and that's supposed to be my lunch money for the next few days. And uh, and I said, well, Cliff, just relax. I said I talked to Ben, and and he said he was willing to just take the twenty nine dollars and seventy cents out of your next paycheck. He's like, all right, well, I appreciate you doing that, Brian. And so I left, and, and I couldn't, poor Cliff, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do it much longer to him. I, probably 10 or 15 minutes, I went back in there, and he was on the phone. And he said, Mom, I know it's a stupid policy, but it's a company policy, and policy's policy. And I said, Cliff, wait. <laughs> I said, wait. And he looked over, and I said, tell your mom you'll call her back. And he's like, what? And I said, just just give me a minute. So he he hung up and turned around. I said, uh, Cliff, I'm so sorry. I I made all of that up. <laughs> That's not true. And he just said, Oh my God. I said, What were what'd your mom say? Was she about ready to come down here and yell at the manager? She said, he said, Well, I was trying to convince my mom into buying 30, 30 packages of uh <laughs> of 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 Charmin uh, four roll toilet paper and uh, and she kept saying Cliff are you sure somebody's not playing a joke on you and he said no mom it's company policy so needless to say Cliff never helped me again in the stock room after that day and uh, and he learned a lesson that you know don't always believe what someone tells you and so, so I thought that little story might be fun and uh, might get you to think. Instead of just when someone tells you something, that you take them at, at, at that. And maybe they're not maybe they're not trying to, you know, be a jerk like me and play a little joke or a trick on you, right? Uh, maybe they genuinely believe what you're telling you is true. But maybe it's not true. So we need to look at this a little closer. We need to investigate this a little bit more. Uh, don't be so willing to try to accommodate your client that you could end up getting yourself in trouble all right we certainly don't want that to happen so let's go back to the original subject here of a flood zone you know you get that call and they say hey you checked yes on page one of the urar that says the subject property is in a flood zone we did a flood cert and it is saying it's not i'm gonna i'm gonna email you a copy of the flood cert for your file and I want you to change the first page of the URAR to no, okay? Now, appraisers, if you've, I'm sure you've had that call at least once over your career. And if you're doing that, please stop. Or at least reconsider what you're doing, okay? Let's look real closely at Freddie Mac Form 70. Fannie Mae Form 1004, the Uniform Residential Appraisal Report. And if you look down on page one, about midway, I'd say, that's where you'll see the question that says FEMA Special Flood Hazard Area, yes or no. If you 
check yes, and then you go back and change it and check no, look to the left. The FEMA special flood hazard area, yes or no question that you answer, is in the section described as site. Is the site in a special flood hazard area? Yes or no. Now, guys, it's either in the flood zone or it's not. We're not talking about the improvement on the 1004 form with regard to special flood hazard area. We're talking about the site, the property as a whole. Is it possible that you have a scenario where part of the site is in a flood hazard area, but yet the improvement, the house, is not in a special flood hazard area? Sure, that could happen a lot, especially if you have a larger lot, right? So you need to read that flood cert very, very carefully. Most of the flood certs I've seen, and if you read very, very carefully, is talking about the improvement. The improvement is not in a special flood hazard area. You as the appraiser are being asked a different question. Is the site in a special flood hazard area? The appropriate way to handle this example is to say, yes, the site is in a special flood hazard area. While the improvement may not be, the site is. And guess what? This processor, AMC, lender, or even underwriter, whoever is asking you to do this, is asking you to do something that you really don't even need to be involved in. When, when the originator gets that flood cert, they need to send that on to their underwriter. The underwriter can make that decision. You as the appraiser don't have to do anything. And if you do change page one from yes to no, and that's all you do, now you've just created a misleading report because part of the site is in a flood hazard area. If we look at Fannie Mae guideline in particular, that's, that's just the one I have up, and uh, you go to the selling guide, it's B4, 1.3 slash 04, right? That's the site section of the appraisal report. And uh, it's got June 5th, 2018, which I assume means the last time it was revised. It says Fannie Mae's appraisal report form provides an area for the appraiser to indicate whether the property, the property, not the improvement, but the property, to indicate whether the property is located in a special flood hazard area that is identified on the FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Agency's flood insurance rate maps. The appraiser must also indicate the zone and the map number and its effective date. Okay, and then they even give you another little tab you can click that gives you additional information. Uh, what's interesting here is if you look at that, it says uh, no part of the principal or residential detached structures located in a flood hazard area, then no flood insurance is required. So it's possible that you have a property where the site, a portion of the site, is in a flood hazard area, and the appropriate thing for the appraiser to do on page one is to say, yes, the property as a whole is in a flood hazard area. And then if they get a, a flood cert or 
um, maybe they've had a survey done, they get a Loma or something. If they're able to, to support that the improvement, the house, the primary structure is not in a flood hazard area, they very well may not need flood insurance. But that's beyond the scope of what the appraiser is supposed to be doing. So just be careful if you get a client to ask you to change your yes to a no, and here's here's the support for doing that, read it closely, or maybe you just say no. And one of the things you can do is um, provide them with Fannie Mae guidelines. You know, what's really interesting is when, when someone quotes underwriting guidelines and they misquote them, all you got to do is provide that information to them. It's kind of hard for them to continue to argue. I need this. You need to change that. When you put something under their nose that says, well, this is the actual protocol. This is actually how I'm supposed to be handling it. Right. Uh, don't just believe someone when they say, well, that's, that's the policy. It's your policy to buy all that toilet paper, right? So get your checkbook out. You, you know, or we'll take it out of your next check. You, you got to pay for that cardboard box, right? That's our policy. Well, you know, I'd kind of like to see the policy. Let me, let me read that with my own eyes, and let me make my own interpretation of that. Maybe there's really not a policy to buy toilet paper. Or maybe the policy was if you actually break the product, which did not happen to Cliff, by the way, if you break the product, you have to buy it, right? Which, heck, we didn't even have that policy. I made all that up. So anyway, just uh, just take a look at that and be cautious before you just make a change. I'll, I'll end with one other little story. Uh, I had a client one time call me up, and they said, Brian, you checked uh, nothing for flood zone and uh, you put that the area wasn't mapped and I said well that's because the area is not mapped <laughs> she said well the underwriters coming back and they you know they need to know is this in a flood hazard area and I said joy I have no idea I don't know if it's in a flood hazard. there are no maps there's no way for me to tell that she's like oh well, let me call him back. Let me call him, call him back and just explain that to you. It wasn't an oversight. You didn't you did not do it. You just there are no maps. Let me let me call him and uh, hopefully they'll. So about 10, 15 minutes later, she called me back. She said, Brian. I said, Joy. She said, I talked to the underwriter. Everything's fine. She understands there's no maps. We understand that you can't say yes or no. We just need you to do one thing thing and then we'll all be happy and we can close alone on friday i said yeah joy what uh, what is it that you're wanting me to do she said the underwriter understands the underwriter just wants you to add a statement i said what what kind of statement does the underwriter want me to add joy the underwriter just would want you to add a little statement brian that says the area is not prone to flooding and i said joy let me ask you a question are you comfortable making that statement? She said, well, Lord, no, I'm not comfortable making that statement. I said, well, then why in the world do you think I'm comfortable making that statement? I'm not going to do that, right? So sometimes you just got to have a conversation. Sometimes you got to say no. Uh, maybe you can accommodate in some ways. Maybe in the example I gave, you leave the first page as saying no. And then you write a little addenda. You know, the client has provided me with a flood certification indicating the subject property's improvement. 
right? The primary improvement, the primary structure, the house, whatever you want to call it, is not located in a special flood hazard area as evident by the attached flood certification. Here you go. Thank you very much. Leave me alone. I don't even know if I'd do that. But if you, you know, you, you can do whatever you want to do, just don't be misleading. I highly encourage you don't change your yes to a no. In this case, you save the no for the client. Just say no. You've been listen, listening to the Appraisal Update Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Reynolds. Until next time, be very, very safe and uh, smile a little bit. Enjoy yourself. Have a good time. Uh, it's not always about work and stress. Enjoy yourself. The Appraisal Update Podcast is brought to you by Appraiser E-Learning. 